0: Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. We have today with us Dr. Bruno Anthony and Heidi Baskfeld. They're both involved in the Partners for Children's Mental Health here in Colorado. And we are going to be talking about children's mental health. It's a subject that's really important to parents, really important to kids, even though they might not realize it yet. And I'm really excited to talk about what kind of struggles and challenges kids are going through and how parents can help and respond. So welcome you both. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having us, Mark. It's great.
0: Yep. It's great. (laughs) Can we just start with a little background from each of you on how you got into the field of children's mental health.
2: I can start. Um, So Mark, I'm a clinical psychologist, and really I'm gonna tell you a story about how I got involved, which was that besides the fact that my, uh, people in my family were in mental health, but you know, the person who really influenced me most was my mom who worked as a nursery school teacher. And during, uh high school and college i sometimes worked with her in the nursery school and what was really imparted to me by her and by working with those kids was how important not only uh, learning reading and writing arithmetic was but also building a really strong uh social and emotional uh, background to take kids through uh, through adulthood and she taught me a lot so I still think back and think how great that was. But um, from then on, I really became interested in kids. I was a dev- I studied developmental psychology um, as an undergraduate, then went through the usual graduate school in uh, developmental psychology and clinical psychology, doing a lot of research. I was really interested in understanding, to begin with, um, difficulties kids were experiencing, particularly in the areas of attention and. Uh, focusing and uh, overactivity. Um, And then um, continued to get my clinical degrees. And I like not only to do research, but to work with kids and try to help them. And then, um, you know, when I started working within university settings and within clinics, I really what really struck me was that we pay a lot of attention to try to develop really good interventions and work with children, but we pay less attention to the families that support them. And so from that point on really until now, I've been really interested in working and figuring out the best ways to work with the whole family to help uh, with the child's problems and also the stresses and strains that families undergo uh, in helping their children With these
0: kinds of uh, difficult uh, mental health issues. Heidi, what's your background in children's mental health?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's hard to follow that act. Uh, You know, Dr. Anthony is a real slacker, so um, (laughs) I'll do my best. Uh, But I love the opening with the story with influence by uh, Bruno's mom because I similarly was very influenced by mine. My mother, uh, I'm a Colorado native and I grew up. Uh, down south in Douglas County. And my mom at one point was the head of the Douglas County Women's Crisis Center. And the stories that she would bring home uh, about the uh, devastating situations that these women and their children had been living in, and what was going to be required to support them and create any kind of different trajectory influenced me deeply. Uh, After college, I went to law school and after law school, I went to work for Colorado State Protection and Advocacy Agency for people with disabilities. And I had the opportunity to focus primarily on kids uh, and very specifically kids with mental health issues. And where I spent so much of my time was not just ensuring that kids with mental health issues got the services that they needed, but that they weren't being harmed In the way that adults were trying to manage their mental health issues and very specifically people like student resource officers who were being called into classrooms when kids were misbehaving and really uh, creating profoundly negative impacts for these kids. And then over time, uh, I found myself here, both at Children's Hospital and with the Partners for Children's Mental Health, continuing to advance systems change work. Uh, how do we really create a system of positive mental health care for children in the state? So that's how I got here.
0: As a martial arts school, we're really involved in self-defense, right? So if if someone attacks you, here are some specific moves you can make to repel an attack to defend yourself. But the greater mission is really to create the systemic change where these kind of of attacks don't happen. And I'm really interested in how the issues with mental health uh, for kids arise or how, how parents can identify them rather than saying, well, be more positive, be more confident, something like that. Get through this. What are we not recognizing when it comes to, to children's mental health?
2: That's a, it's a really great question. You know, it's something that we are always are struggling with is how to do early identification of problems. And the reason that you want to do that is to, if you get them, if you get kids and identify them early, then you can, your interventions tend to be more effective. So how do you go about doing that, though? So the first thing you wanna do is, is uh, educate folks, right? So you wanna put out uh, as much information you can, which is in a way that uh, parents and teachers and others who deal with kids all the time understand what is reasonable behaviors and emotions that kids are always displaying and struggling with versus those that are more intense and maybe signaling more More difficult problems that they're dealing with, and so there, you know, there's what we want to do is to we want to work very solidly with schools, but also with pediatric practices, so that we can start doing early screening for kids because there are now methods to do that. You know, we can have parents fill out forms or we can have the pediatrician or the teacher fill out forms or even the child themselves to get at whether this problem reaches the threshold of really where we need to do something about it significantly or can we just be giving good advice to parents um, or teachers? That process is how we is how we need to uh, move towards really identifying those problems early on so that we can make a difference.
0: Well the parents respond to recommendations or a, a sort of procedure, to, if, if there's an identification that uh, a, a child is having some real issues with uh, responding to commands or societally or something, have you found that the parents respond to that and say, I I, think I understand this and can implement it?
2: One of the things that stands in the way of that is, um the continuing sort of stigma around mental health, where uh, parents feel, I'm going to use the term embarrassed at times, that their, their child is acting like this, and that if they are given a diagnosis or if they are singled out as having a problem, what does that say about me as a parent? And I don't want my child to be labeled. Th- those kinds of things are things that are re- reasonable and uh, and difficult things for parents to deal with. And so one of the first things that I always do, and this is when I was saying that we, we need to have, I, I felt like we needed more pay more attention to parents in some ways uh, than we had been doing. So we need to work with them around understanding what uh, mental health issues are that uh, and that we can do something about it. And um, it takes a, pro- it's a process and it's a discussion. And um, parents, some parents are resistant to begin with, which is reasonable at times, but um, if you can work uh, respectfully with them, listen to their point of view, then you uh, can engage them as partners and collaborators in helping their children. And, uh, and same thing with, with teachers. So it's a really good question. It's 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 often I think people expect parents to be immediately on board. Not always.
0: They might something that you said, Heidi, that parents can be unwittingly harmful in the development of their kids' confidence. What are some examples of that that you've seen, or or what are parents? not seeing that their kids are struggling with, that that they may respond to more positively?
1: Sure. Well, I think, you know, um, just building off of what Dr. Anthony was already saying, there, there are so often circumstances where parents are living with their own mental health challenges, and they themselves haven't been supported in having those mental health needs addressed. And so the extent to which they are caring their own unmet needs, and those are then being projected onto their children, I think is probably even more common than we know, right? Generations have sort of their generational approaches to to mental health. And, you know, prior to the generations that uh, we're now living in and helping raise, the mental health messages tended to sound things like, you need to just suck it up, or uh, if it seemed sort of really serious, We need to put that away in a space where no one else sees it and hands it off into other professional spaces to handle. So this notion that people get to be very open about what's going on with their mental health, have their needs met to then address those of their children is new for our society. Uh, We're we're really um, only just now, I think, building in practices in all the different places that need to exist to be able to eradicate sort of generational harms that have been handed down from one generation to the next and not even intentional. Um, and so to the extent that parents, when children's present, children present with uh, uh, concerns, um, the extent to which they haven't been given tools to recognize, one, that those are legitimate. Um, and for example, if it's, uh, an adolescent, a teen is all of a sudden less engaged in their day-to-day life. They're, they're not engaging with peers. They're not engaging with their schoolwork. This isn't a team being lazy. This isn't a, hey, you know, get yourself off the couch and get yourself out the door. That there's something else here that's worth exploring. To Bruno's point, we have to support parents to be able to support youth.
2: No, I was just gonna follow up with, with, and think about teachers as well because Similarly, teachers can often misinterpret behavior like uh, Heidi was talking about, you know, apathy or lack of motivation as just a kid who doesn't want to learn. But I think what we're trying to do more and more is to sort of educate folks that this is something you need to pay attention to because it's a a problem that that may it's a behavior that may reflect more uh, deep kinds of problems around depression or anxiety or something like that.
0: So depression, anxiety, and uh, uh, on your website for Partners for Children's Mental Health in Colorado, suicide prevention is a a, a big focus. And w- what kind of problems or approaches do you take to that level of hopelessness in, in kids? Or what can other people notice or or help with?
2: Right, so I think that what you said, notice, is a, a very important word, right? So what we have to do, uh, have people who come in contact with kids, whether it's, or ch- whether it's teachers, whether it's parents, whether it's uh, medical providers, whether it's people like you who work uh, with kids a lot, We need to start uh, understanding um, uh, and being able to recognize those uh, warning signs uh, that might be reflecting some really significant uh, concerns that the child is having about themselves, uh, about their relationships to peers, about their ability to uh, make it in the world, school work. All those kinds of things. So, you know, I think what we have to do is, first of all, make people just aware that don't dismiss those kinds of behaviors you see as something that's going to pass or that don't worry about it now, uh, it'll get better, but really explore it. Ask the child, how, what's going on? What's, how are you feeling about things? I think, and, and also do more formal kinds of uh, evaluations like in a pediatrician's office or uh, at school.
0: In the karate context, in in our schools, we have something that's called ABCing students, and it's essentially evaluating progress, motivation, enthusiasm uh, problems in each individual student. And there are many hundreds, and the instructors do that every evening after a course of classes. And these are the kinds of things that they're they're looking at why is the student distracted why are the parents not present during the class or you know what kind of interventions do we need to make so that the student rises from a c to a b to from a b to an a and um, is engaged with their learning and is that something that you see in the in the public schools or that you advise teachers on is there any kind of Methodology there for for evaluating kids' mental state or emotional state
2: in schools. First of all, schools are in a crisis right now, and are dealing with so many things, and it, that it's sometimes hard for them to focus as much as they have in the past. Actually, on on children's behavior, on their emotions, and things like that. It's a it, it's a it's really has been a difficult time over the last two years. Um, they also they just haven't had as much. Contact with kids as they have in the past. Schools have ways that teachers are supposed to rec- to uh, bring concerns to counselors to others about kids that, and they and they meet regularly and they have in the past met regularly with uh, counselors and things to sort of recognize those kids who might be uh, needing some extra help. I have to tell you that. There's a lack of those professionals in the schools right now. I was in one of my patients in a large high school with 3,000 kids, and they have two counselors for 3,000 kids. But there are ways to recognize like behaviors by doing observations in the classroom by the counselors, by uh, getting input from parents and things. But the structures are there to do that in schools. It's just really
0: hard to do it right now. Is there a kind of metric for accomplishment or something in in... In a school, say a straight-A student on the one hand and a a potential dropout on the other, are are counselors on the lookout for that? Or what is their metric for for evaluating who needs help?
2: The metric really has to do with a process called the independent educational plans, that those get kicked in after initial evaluations. And and that does happen. But again, there's so many kids right now who are sort of needing those things, it's harder to get that kind of help. But that, but there are metrics that schools have in place to to identify those kids who really need um, more help based on the kind of performance things you're talking about, whether it's school grades, whether it's behavior in the classroom, um, those kinds of things. I think that we just really need to address the the, the really the workforce shortages within the schools around mental health issues right now, and I know that uh, Heidi can probably talk more about that. But there are really good ways to address mental health problems in the schools. There's school there are people who are trained to do in, in school mental health. You know, pr- pr- having providers in the school and, uh, that can provide immediate um, help for the kids and things like that. But right now, we're we're really struggling with the numbers of people who can do that.
0: Coming up through the ranks, Heidi or Dr. Anthony, uh, speak to what would what course of education basically or experience do people need to provide this sort of help in the school?
1: Mark, what I would tell you is, is that in addition to what Dr. Anthony was saying with respect to the use of IEPs and 504 plans as ways to measure sort of um, students mental health needs, uh, you know, Absenteeism, attendance is is another way, and then obviously disciplinary interactions. And so one of the things that we're continuing to try to support is to say, where you have kids who are acting out in class, these are so often ways to identify mental health challenges that need to be supported uh, and not always uh, require a disciplinary interaction. And so Giving schools and those uh, teachers and staff and coaches the kinds of uh, tools that they need to be able to distinguish when we've got an actual disciplinary interaction versus a series of behaviors that warrant a different kind of support is part of this equation. That's one of the goals of the PCMH is to provide the kinds of tools and trainings to those in school settings to be able to identify and understand the differences and then understand what the appropriate handoffs are. When, when Dr. Anthony was talking about workforce shortages, and to your question very specifically, Mark, we need teachers, we need coaches, we need you know, front desk folks and administrators engaging in things like mental health first aid, uh, and and then beginning to layer on additional trainings depending on Uh, what their role is uh, in the school. And so it it really depends on their role that informs what are the kinds of trainings and where they're going to get the most uh, sort of bang for the buck, if you will, uh, in that space. But this this challenge that we are in right now, Mark, is not going to be solved if we just leave it to uh, standard mental health professionals. We need people like you, And we need you and your colleagues to be just as engaged and invested in supporting kids' mental health as Bruno and his psychology colleagues. And so uh, what we're giving by way of trainings and access to those tools is going to be the solution um, to seeing fewer kids in crisis and being able to be supported in their community settings going forward.
0: I appreciate that you refer to me and ripple effect martial arts as a partner because that's really what one of the first conversations i had with master greg macy who's the founder of ripple effect martial arts and when i was exploring black belt philosophy was he said not all black belts are the same they don't meet the same standard they meet their own and it it is not as if if you don't kick this high you fail it's a Determination uh, between the parents and the instructors and the student. W- what kind of effort do you have to give, and what is most constructive? And that's always been. I think y- you also mentioned coaches in in the schools. And I remember I was in the 70s and 80s and uh, growing up with these gym coaches that were pretty pretty hardcore. And if you couldn't do the 20 pushups, you were ousted, kind of thing. And there were there were some peer pressure there you know people would make fun and in the karate culture that does not happen and it it it's strictly forbidden you don't make fun of other people you help other people and it's a it's a way that we help try to elevate everyone to to become better and i i I wonder for parents raising kids, what do you have to say to them about maybe if they're frustrated, if their kid isn't keeping pace, if their kid seems constantly distracted, if their kid uh, doesn't want to participate, are there ways to help parents become more informed about what their kids are going through and how to help them?
1: Yeah, I'll start with the short answer, and then I'll let Dr. Anthony, who's the real expert, give, give the longer answer. But I think it's important to say I'm a mom. I've got a seven and a nine-year-old, both boys. And I will tell you that the biggest disservice that we do to parents is to make it hard for them to ask for help and to ask questions. And the most amount of support that I need as a parent is not navigating my kid's fever or the occasional bout of diarrhea or vomit, um, the most help that I need as a parent is understanding how to support my kids' mental health growth and development. And so the extent to which um, their participation in any activity is helping me navigate that is is where I, uh, as a parent, and as a professional, welcome the most amount of support. And so Dr. Anthony can speak most specifically about how to navigate those circumstances, But what I would say to you is, as a fundamental answer is, we need to, to support parents in saying it's okay that you don't know, and it's okay that you ask for help, And here, based on what you're seeing, is where you can go to get those questions answered.
2: Jeff I thought, Heidi, really that, that's, that's a lovely answer, and uh, uh, the only thing I'll really add to that is... And I've seen this a lot. And one of the reasons why um, it's really good to get more and more people aware of behavioral and emotional issues that kids might experience is because often peers of parents, other parents and things are very powerful in helping other parents understand that these are difficulties and what you can do about it. And um, it, it, brings to mind, I'll just say, you you talked about coaches, my child is a, my 16 year old is a baseball player, has played competitive baseball for a long time. And, you know, there have been situations where there have been kids on the the team who have done things which clearly are uh, indicating some significant issues that need to be addressed. And what I found was that when, not me, not as i it was other parents who were not professionals said you know he just seems really unhappy i'm just wondering have you been noticing that and that can that conversation can often open up and allow parents to start talking about their concerns where before they were sort of reluctant and they're even sometimes maybe reluctant to talk to professionals about it but but i've found over my course of my time and working with parents is that hearing from a peer done in the right way is really powerful.
0: That's really interesting about unhappiness. So there seems to, again, I'm older and come from a generation where there's a emphasis on stricture. Don't complain, nothing's too hard, you work through this and then you hear a lot today, not to be political, but uh, uh, about the, the coddling of a younger generation. There are these extremes. Recognizing unhappiness is—is is, is that a, a first kind of step for a parent? And where do they go from there?
2: Say so what you want to sort of give the message to parents is just listen, you know, ask open-ended questions, saying how oh, you know how things going, and then just listen and uh, and say, and if they don't want to, the child doesn't want to speak right at that moment, saying, well, we'll get back to this later, or I'm ready to hear it. anytime you want to talk about this. It's great because you know too often the sort of direct. Yes, no kind of questions to, especially teenagers, just doesn't work, right? You have to give them the opportunities to just talk in the, you know, can, when you're driving them somewhere, um, you know, just have conversations saying, you know, just how things are going in, in the school. and or And you can start with conversations about other kids, right? And sometimes that leads to talking about themselves, but it's 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 a kind of a little bit of an art to do that, but easy to learn. And um, and and unhappiness is something that is often neglected, has been in the past. Sadness is hard. Sometimes it as a problem. It's not, it's not always a problem, but it's, it can often be uh, hard to recognize. Anxiety is the same thing. It's sometimes hard to recognize. And, you know, right now in this country, 20 to 30% of kids have suffered significant anxiety or, or depressive um, episodes. And that's increasing over, the, over time because of pressures and other things that are going on in the world. We just need to be able to give them the chance to talk about
1: it. And I'm just gonna jump in here to a little bit, Mark, to say we're not gonna solve things perfectly, uh, like generations of not addressing well-being perfectly in one generation. And so when you're talking about having been raised in this you know, very structured, we don't talk about that, figure it out, you're gonna be fine. You know, stand up and dust it off to, you know overcoddling um we're not going to get a perfect right out of the gate it is going to take us some time to figure out what is the right balance between addressing structure and addressing emotion in a way that best supports sort of this comprehensive approach to well-being with our kids and i think that's the other part of this too is to give ourselves the space and grace to mess up uh, and know that uh you know, we're not going to be perfect in how we approach it every now and again. Uh, I know, as uh, in my own experiences as a parent, and trying to to give space to to recognize uh, emotions, I've been manipulated. I've totally been manipulated by my seven and nine year olds, and I'd rather err on that side and then work my way through that with support from places that I get it, than not address it at all. And so, I think that's another piece of this message too to parents and those who interact with youth is, we're not going to solve and have this down uh, exactly right. And then the other thing I would say is get off your phones. Uh, Adults send very loud messages uh, to the children in our lives when we don't make space for them because we're too busy on our phones, and our screens, um, and that we're not authentically engaging with them. And so uh, this is just as much of a, how are we modeling positive behavior for our kids um, by making that space for them?
0: That is really interesting. I I, I think two things there, when you said y- you want to err on the side of your kid's expression uh, versus your ideals or something, I struggle with that too. I'm the father of two and one's a teenager and one's in first grade. And I, I, not that I think that I have everything figured out or I know exactly what's right, but I think you can't do this because it's going to conflict or it's going to cause a calamity or something. And opening up to, well, calamity for me might not mean the same thing as these young kids. That's a hard thing for, for me as a parent. Certainly I extrapolate and think for a lot of parents, but you're you're saying that you, you believe as a professional as well as a mother that that the expression of kids or or failure is important well it doesn't
1: mean too that after we talk about our feelings and we address what's going on that you still don't have to pick up your room it's not like all the all the things that we know are also important values uh get get thrown out in the course of having these other conversations and i can tell dr anthony wants to
2: jump in on that (laughs) <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I'm just thinking of my own 16 year old whose room I would not want to walk into right now.
0: So. <laughs> well, the spirit of or not even the spirit, I'm sorry to put it that way, but the experience of competition. So you said your son has been involved in competitive baseball. What role does competition play in the development of kids' mental health and how can it be harmful and helpful?
2: I think that sports is actually a, a really great way to um, boost the child's feelings of um, self worth and to build social relationships, to uh, get good exercise and, and be healthy. The difficult part of it is that there are going to be disappointments, right, in sports, and, and that you're not going to be able to be the starting uh, pitcher or um you know even uh, or the goalie so in in some ways that also is a a, a, a positive part of sports and that you have to deal with disappointment in a very obvious way And you can talk that through and you can and kids can realize that, yes, I'm not going to be the goalie, but I have my friend Billy who's on the team and we really have a great time. And I get to play sometimes, but I also really love being on the team as well. And so there's so much in sports that is a microcosm of life. And I think uh, that it allows all sorts of teaching opportunities, both from parents and from coaches, to to support uh, kids in in that way. I I just feel it's a it's a wonderful outlet and something that should be encouraged for all kids.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts podcast. Find episodes and more at RippleEffectMartialArts.com.